We sing and believe, God, you're our helper. In times of trials and tribulation, you're the only one that can comfort fully. You're the only one that can bring joy and satisfaction. Help us to remember that we can run to you. You are greater than the storms. You are enthroned above everything. There's nothing outside of your control. Help us to trust and believe that, God. And help us to have a posture of worship as we as we live, as we breathe, as we read your word, as we sing, as we do whatever. A heart that says, you are worthy, God. You are worthy. Help us to focus on your word today. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Today we begin looking at the life of Elijah and the lessons that we can learn from Elijah. And today we're going to be looking at 1 Kings chapter 16, and we're going to be looking into the reason why God sent Elijah at the time that he sent him. 1 Kings chapter 16, Omri, verse 25. Omri did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Omri is Ahab's dad. Omri did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did more evil than all who were before him. For he walked in all the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and in the sins that he made Israel sin, provoking the Lord, provoking the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger by their idols." Now the rest of the acts of Omri that he did and the might that he showed are not written in the book. Are they not written in the book of, of Chronicles of the kings of Israel? And Omri slept with his fathers and was buried in Samaria. And Ahab his son reigned in his place. Basically, this is what we know about Omri. We know that he was the disciple of Jeroboam. And Jeroboam was no one to be a disciple of. What we learn in this scripture is Ahab's dad showed him what not to do. He showed him how to worship idols. He told him how to mislead people. He showed him how to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Idolatry. He led them to engage, to be okay with idolatry. Idolatry is when someone or something is more important to us or as important or partially as important as God is. If you have an idol in your life, then you pay more attention to the influence of that idol, devotion to that idol, than you do God. Idolatry. And idolatry is indeed, based on the scriptures that we're going to read in the next several weeks, very, very serious. Not something to be taken lightly. So Omri, this is, this is his example that he gave Ahab. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He listened to the wrong people. He modeled his leadership he modeled his character. He modeled his life after the wrong person, being Jeroboam. And Omri allowed an atmosphere to be in Israel that allowed idolatry to really grow and to flourish. Some lessons that we learn from Omri is this. 
evil always multiplies. It says here that he did evil, and he did more evil than anyone before him. So that's what he learned from Jeroboam. He learned how to do evil, and evil is never going to sit still. Evil is never going to just be okay with the status quo. It's always going to engage. It's always going to seduce. It's always going to be out there bringing people and whetting the appetite to be involved with more evil. The truth is, in our flesh, our fleshly, sinful nature, every one of us, to certain degrees, every single one of us has got this, we never have enough. It's a struggle that we have. We never have enough. We always want more. We always want more. And that's the situation that we learn here about evil. Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord. Fact is, he did more evil than anyone else. And that is quite a record that he broke. So evil multiplies. Evil and idolatry is learned. Evil and idolatry is learned. We are exposed to it and we embrace it. We are shown the way and we embrace it. We learn from our mother and father. We learn from our grandparents. We learn from significant adults in our life. That's what we learn from. We learn from peers. We learn evil and idolatry. And and we see that lesson here with Omri. And we also see in this scripture, based on the fact that that he made Israel to sin, he provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, but angered by their idols, that leadership is extremely, extremely powerful. And Omri led the people to engage in idolatry. And something else we learn from this scripture, idolatry angers God. Idolatry angers God. Now, very clearly, the Scripture in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Scripture is clear. We are not to have any idols. We are not to have any idols. In Exodus chapter 20, in the Ten Commandments, the very first commandment is we are not to have any idols. We are to love only God. We are not to have any gods before him. Jesus said the same thing over and over. Jesus says that the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart. Not partial, not three quarters, not a half, not a fourth, not that quarter. You are to love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your being, with all your will. To fail to do so is idolatry because you're going to worship something. Something is going to be worshipped. And that idol is what you're going to worship because we are created to worship. And if we're not loving God with all of our heart, the scripture is clear about that, we are going to engage in idolatry. So that is Omri. That is Ahab's dad. So Omri dies. By the way, all idolaters die. (laughs) They just die. They're all caught up in the wrong, and then they just die. Isn't that interesting about that? Idolaters die. That's a serious serious thing to consider. Now, the righteous die too, but the difference between the death of the righteous and the death of the idolater is the the death of the righteous is beautiful in the eyes of the Lord, but not that idolater. And so Omri does all that evil, causes all those problems, does not train his son well, And the result is difficult for not only Ahab, but for the people of Israel. So now Ahab. 
In the 38th year, verse 29, of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, began to reign over Israel. And Ahab, son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. Pretty good reign. 22 years. Now, verse 30. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Wouldn't it be great to say that? Wouldn't it be great that Omri woke up one day and Omri looked at his dad and said, that ain't the way to go. I'm not going to be like my dad. My dad, he left, he's dead. He's in that graveyard now. He's with all the fathers and all the, the people and, and all that. And, and he didn't accomplish anything of any value whatsoever. My dad did evil in the sight of the Lord, and we struggled, and we suffered, and, and we didn't flourish as a people. We didn't flourish under the banner of God. We, we didn't really honor God with our lives. And, and I've, seen that, I've seen that that's not the way to go, and so... I'm going to be different. I'm going to lead you to love God. I'm going to lead you to worship God. I'm going to do away with all the idols. But you know, the truth of the matter is, when you're raised to do evil, to see evil, and you're raised in such a way that, that you are going to be prone to being an idol worshiper without that great miracle of God, that's what you're going to do. And it just says, And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more and all that were before him. He repeated his dad. He just repeated it. Isn't that what happens? Evil multiplies. And it multiplied here from Omri to Ahab. He said, he did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were done before him. And so poor Ahab, here he goes. Ahab wants to be a well-known king. All kings do. I'm sure it's in his upbringing, it's in his DNA, it's in his character, it's in his, his traits. It's what he's been wired for. He's to be worshipped, he's to be honored, he's to be followed. And so here he goes. What kind of king is he going to be? So we begin there in, in verse 31. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. As if it had been a light thing. Now, what that means is, it wasn't a big deal to him. It, it wasn't no small, it wasn't no big deal for a stepper. You ever heard the old timer say that? No problem for a stepper. I'll just, I'll just walk on. I'll take care of things. Do the evil, no big deal to Ahab. It was no big deal. It was just like walking in the park, just going for a stroll. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he does three things. He married Jezebel. And that was enough. He married Jezebel. Jezebel, the seducer. Jezebel, the narcissist. Jezebel, the one with a chip on her shoulder. Jezebel, the one that had to be first in the pickup line at school, or she would bump into your car. Jezebel, the gal that had to have the nicest decorations, the husband was miserable all Christmas long. Jezebel, yep, 
that one. You know that one well, don't you? Probably the PTO leader. I said it. I said it. Yep. Probably the, the, the one that yells the loudest at the school board meetings. Next time you're there and someone's irate about this or that and the other, say, your name Jezebel? He, he doesn't care, does he? He doesn't care. He married Jezebel. That's the way she was. Now, I don't know what Jezebel looked like, but I imagine she was pretty attractive, you know, for king. The king, you know, I'm sure that she was all right to look at. I, I picture her that she had every Mary Kay product that's ever been made. I picture her to be heavenly makeup. If they had long, fake nails, she had them. I think that when she would bat her eyelashes, they would scrape your nose. Jezebel. That's her. He married Jezebel. And that's not the worst thing about Jezebel. He married Jezebel, and here she is, a Phoenician some of them are Jews and some of them aren't. The Phoenicians were warrior. They were sailors. They were warriors and sailors and they were traders. And Phoenicia means purple. It's the land of the purple. And there was that little animal out there. They get that purple dye from the, the sea and they would make purple garments. And so if you had a purple garment in those days, it was made by the Phoenicians. She's from Sidon, Tyrus, uh, uh, in Lebanon up there in Beirut area. That's where she's from. She's a Phoenician. And you know what else she is? She's an idol worshiper. It says that he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. Yes, honey. I'll build Baal a house. Yes, honey, I know Baal is important to you. Yes, honey, I get it. I understand. Yes, honey, we're going to get it done. I promise you we'll get it done. And he erected and he built a house in Samaria for the worship of Baal. And verse 33 says, And Ahab made an Asherah. An Asherah pole, you've heard of those, been around a long time. The Asherah pole is still around in various forms today. So is the Baal statue around in various forms today. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were ever before him. If you want to make the Lord angry, why you would want to make the Lord angry, I have no idea. But if you want to make the Lord angry, angry, idol worship, idol worship. Exodus says, God says, I'm jealous for people's hearts. I'm jealous for people's lives. I'm jealous for their attention. I'm jealous for their relationship. I don't want them to have any other gods. I don't want them to add a God to their list. I don't want them to worship me and also worship this. I don't want them to worship me at certain times and worship someone else at certain times. I don't want to borrow time with them. 
I want to have all of their heart. I want to have all of their devotion. I want to have all their worship. I want them to trust me for everything. I want to be the complete satisfier of all their needs. I want to be everything. After all, I'm God. Now, if, if you've seen any of those pictures of that new satellite up there taking pictures, unbelievable, unbelievable. Can you imagine the creator of all of that? Those colors, those planets, those suns, those galaxies, those new universes, they're fun. That God the Father, God the Creator has all that, and we're going to worship a statue? We're going to worship a thing. We're going to worship a person. We're going to worship something. We're going to worship an attitude. We're going to worship something that man would build. Can you imagine what God goes through his mind, his heart, when he sees people worshiping idols? Well, we know what goes through. He gets angry. And you know why he gets angry? Because he loves us. And he just think about, why in the world would they not just, just rely upon me for everything? We sang a while ago, trust in the Lord only, not partially, not halfway. Trust in the Lord only. We sang together. Hope we didn't lie to God. God, we are going to trust in you completely, not partially, not halfway, not in seasons, not when it's really bad. But we're going to worship you. Can't imagine when you consider how God, how big God is, that we would be idol worshipers. But it, he provoked the Lord with it, the God of Israel. Baal. Who is this Baal character? Baal was a statue that they made many of. It was a statue of a deer like creature with horns, kind of weird looking shape, gadget. They believed that Baal was the god of the thunder. Okay? What comes with thunder? Lightning and rain. Now today, we know what it's like to go a long time without rain, don't we? If it were not to rain for three and a half years, let's say that it did not rain in Iowa for three and a half years. Do you, do you know how much one corn on the cob would cost? Yeah. What, you think 10 bucks a, a cob? I'm just guessing. If that was the only place it rained, let's say it didn't rain anywhere. Let's say in the entire land. What's, what are they going to have on them shells at HEB? What are they going to be selling? Man, I don't have a clue, do you? If it doesn't rain, and you, even, even those tomato factories are inside plants, if it doesn't rain, they're not going to have water. If it doesn't rain, there's going to be no wells to water plants, to water animals. There's no meat. There's no fruit. There's no vegetables. There's no bread. I mean, in three and a half years, we have learned that with the supply chain thing, hadn't we? If, if the supply chain deal gets messed up, I saw the stores. Where, where's all the stuff? Well, we don't have it. And I've heard many stories about people building a house. You, I can't get a two-by-four. I can't get this. Supply chain. But if it doesn't rain for three and a half years, if it didn't rain, no rain whatsoever, 
King Ahab is not going to look good. So, here's, here's the, the deal here. What mattered to King Ahab? King Ahab mattered to King Ahab. He wanted to be the king that would be looked upon as successful. He wanted to be the king who was looked upon as the great leader, the great provider. Sure he did. He was, he was wired that he was molded for that. And to be a great king, you got to have a good economy. And you know what you need for a good economy? You need rain. So what does this bell idol do? It rides the thunder. And every time it rains... It's not from God the Father. It's not from Yahweh. It's from Baal. And so Ahab says, what would it hurt? That's what it says here. He says, it was, it was no big deal for him. It had been a light thing for him, just, just a casual thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam. He said, yeah, let's, yeah we got Yahweh. We got God. We got the festivals. We got the Day of Atonement. We got Yom Kippur. We got all those things going. All that's in place for us. We got the high priest. We got it going. Let's, let's add a little bail to it. Let's just put a little bail in it. What could it hurt? I mean, if, if for some reason Yahweh doesn't deliver rain, maybe bail will come through for us. It's not going to hurt anybody. It's going to be okay. Idolatry is like that. You see, if we just add a little idol to Yahweh, just a little bit of direction, just a little bit off, just a little bit of, of focus on another deity, on no, something else is going to get our affections, it'll be okay to God. No. How about the Asherah? The Asherah was a goddess, female. And they had different images of the goddess, and it was like a totem pole, and they would literally build a pole, and it would be an Asherah, and you would worship this goddess. She was the goddess of fertility. Now, that's a good thing for an agricultural world too, isn't it? You got to have healthy babies for the farms, right? Every family needs to have a healthy baby. If we're going to grow grapes, I need, I need a, lot of, a lot of boys and a lot of girls to help me with the increases of the work, right? Not only did I need to have lots of children because that, that means we've been blessed and, you know, that's the source of life, the secret of life, those kind of things. But, man, I got to have a lot of sheep. I got to have a lot of calves. I got to have me some, some meat. I got to grow some goats. I at least that milk. I mean, I got to have healthy animals being born in my acreage. And so, what do you do? You've got Yahweh, we're worshiping God the Father, and you got Baal for the rain. And since you got Baal for the rain, let's go ahead and get Asherah for the offspring. We'll worship God. Forgiveness of our sins. God, please forgive us of our sins. Baal, please send rain. Asherah, please give us healthy boys and girls. Please help us have healthy sheep and cows, calves. Help us have some good, flourishing livestock. Who do you worship? Well, it depends. What do you mean? Well, you know, Monday through Saturday, I worship hard work. I worship education. I worship intellect. I worship fate. I worship my ability to handle things. 
but on Sundays I worship God. So how much of your life did God have? Well, from time, God has, what, a seventh? Really not a seventh because it's only the morning. And so it's really partially, what, I don't know how you even divide that. You see, God comes along and says, I want you to trust me when it doesn't rain as well as when it does. I want you to trust me when you don't have good offspring as when you do. I want to be your everything. After all, I'm God and everything else are simply counterfeit. Foolish to be an idol worshiper, but every single one of us struggle with it. And, and, and here we have Ahab, and that's exactly what he did. And then the very last uh, two scriptures here in chapter 16, it, it, it helps us to see the results of a leader that is an idolater. It says in verse 34, In, in his, his days, Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. Now, that seems on casual reading to be no big deal. No big deal there. Hiel. Who's Hiel? I don't know who Hiel is. But Hiel, did he have interest in Jericho? Did he have a construction company? Did he see a, a moneymaker project going on, perhaps? I mean, wouldn't it be harmless to rebuild Jericho? I mean, after all, it's been a long time since we invaded the land of Canaan and, and we saw those walls of Jericho collapse. Why not rebuild it? You know, let's, get, let's rebuild Jericho. Let's, let's revitalize the community, except the Lord told Joshua to tell everybody else, nobody is to rebuild Jericho. It is to be a sign of God's greatness. Now, it doesn't say Hiel knew that. It doesn't say that he was ignorant to the fact or willfully disobedient. We don't know. But nevertheless, Ahab didn't run over there and say, wait a minute, Hiel, before we get too far here, we're not supposed to rebuild Jericho. But since it was no big deal to Ahab to disobey God, to do a little evil here and there, to be casual about God. And so <coughs> Ahab lived as though there's no judgment, there's no consequences, there's no day of reckoning. There, there is nothing going to happen if we break the commands of God because, you know, we're equal. Hiel built, rebuilt Jericho and broke the command of God. Now, this is a difficult scripture here for you. Take a look at this. He laid its foundation at the cost of Abram, his firstborn, and set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Zagab, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. He lost two kids. Because he rebuilt Jericho. Because he disobeyed God. No, 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 no. Come on. Come on now. God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, God understands. I'm just, I'm just telling you what it says. He lost two sons because he rebuilt Jericho. And he did it under the watch of Ahab. Idolatry is a problem. 
Idolatry is judged. Idolatry angers God. And I can't think of anything worse than Hiel just look at an innocent project, rebuild Jericho. Let's be a strong people again. Let's live here. A great place to live. We got the Jordan River runs right by. We go fishing on Fridays. We can get on down there. We can come back to and we can do the Sabbath and have a great time. What a great place to live. But but except for God said no. He had his reasons. He didn't want to rebuild Jericho. That's that's simply it. That was God's word. And Hiel, either innocent or knowledgeable, rebuilt Jericho. And he lost two kids, not due to asthma, not due to some sickness, but due to him disobeying God. I don't know any other way to say that. It says to us how serious idolatry is. Now, before you have the pain of going through that process of going, are all deaths a result of sin? No. Of course not. But it does say here, as the cost of him rebuilding Jericho, he lost two sons. It just That's what the Bible tells us. So sometimes these unfortunate things that take place is because of our disobedience to God. Your disobedience and my disobedience. You have to leave room for that. I mean, if you're going through some real hard times, if you're going through some times that it appears to you that you're experiencing the judgment of God, you need to ask yourself a question. Is it because of idolatry? That's the first place you go. What unconfessed sins are? What do I need to repent of? What rebellion is getting its, its, its hand in my life? What's going on here? You see... This scripture here, the scriptures we're going to learn about with Elijah, it very clearly tells us, take God's word seriously. Do not buy this man-made contraption that's out there in the world, this concept that says God is all love. He is all grace. He is all mercy. Yes, exactly. God is love. God is grace. God is mercy. But the natural byproduct of that is judgment, wrath, because it says in the scripture, he will by no means hear the guilty because he is love. And it's a natural thing. Love and wrath go together. And so you must take idolatry seriously. You see, you are an idol worshiper. I'm an idol worshiper if it's not 100% God. It can be three quarters God and one quarter something else. It can be five-eighths God and whatever the other number is, something else. You can say, I'm mostly okay. I'm mostly Christian. I'm mostly a God honor and a God follower. But if it's not 100%, who says that? God has said that. Love me with all your heart. Jesus said himself, you cannot both love God and money at the same time. You can't love God and something else at the same time. You love God. You just use other things as blessings from God. But you don't love those other things. Caleb and Joshua, they went into the promise saying, you know why? Because the Bible says they wholeheartedly followed God. They followed God. I did a little survey this week just wondering what many of you would say. Many of you responded back to my survey. What, what you would say is the top three idols in our area. And it was pretty clear. And what there was number four was close, but really the top three things that I'm going to share with you today 
they were really over the top. A lot more numbers for them. One, money. Of course you knew that, right? Of course it's money. Money. How much you got? Got more than other people. Money. Money is number one idol. Appearance was number two. Appearance. How you look. Who you look with. Who you hang out with. Appearance. I've been hearing that for years in Alito, Texas. I want my kids to hang around with the popular kids. I'm so happy my kids hang around the cheerleaders. I'm so happy that my kids are in the in-group at school. Man, I've seen train wrecks. Be careful with that. I was sitting at a stadium two or three years ago, and I was by myself, and I was watching the ball game going on. I think it was a basketball game or something. And, and there was a lady sitting back there, and three really pretty girls come walking up, and, and, and there was a girl. It was, it was a mother of a girl that wasn't there. And they see each other, and you know how it is. Girls see people they know, and it's just, oh, hi. You oh, it's so good to see you. Y'all know, right? Y'all know where that goes. And that's going on, and I'm watching basketball game and just kind of listening, you know. And that lady, she didn't go to our church, but she could. That lady picked out one of those girls, and if she said it once, she said it ten times, you're so pretty. You're so pretty. Well, honey, no, you know, my mother was mad at me because, you know, we stayed out too late last night. Yeah, but you're so beautiful. I bet it was okay. And the other two girls are going, you know, I'm here. And I, I really wanted to jump in and say, I think you're pretty too, but I'm an old man. I'm afraid I'm going to go to jail if I say something like that. <laughs> but that lady laser beamed on the one girl. And I was thinking about it. I said, is she really that much more beautiful than the other girls? Why is she so? If, and I looked at her. I said, well, she has some symmetry. You know, I mean, you know, they say that beauty is symmetry. Is eyes in the right place, the cheeks in the right place, and maybe not too big of other places, and the right places be bigger, and all those kind of things. I know nothing about that. I, I mean, when it comes to appearance, I fail. I've always failed. Except when I was younger, I had other things going on for me, but that's beside the point. But she just couldn't get over how beautiful that one girl was. And I watched those other two girls, and I thought, they're thinking right now, I wish I'd be cute one time in that lady's eyes. I wish I could be beautiful. I wish I could be special. I wish I could be so beautiful that I can miss curfew and it's okay. You've got to be kidding me. If she missed curfew, lock her up in her room and don't feed her for five days. I mean, if she misses curfew, go out there and get a chain link, uh, a chain and wrap her up and drag her around the pasture. I mean, missing curfew is dangerous. And if you're really pretty, you can miss curfew. If you're really pretty, you can break all the rules. If you're really pretty, you don't have to do your homework. If you're really pretty, you can disobey what mom and dad has had to say. Because what's the idol? Appearance. And guess what happens when you turn 70? Ain't nobody pretty at 70. You know anybody pretty? Sterling? No. Sterling goes, oh, yeah, man, I'm 70. 
I mean, when you see those, those, those magazines says how hot the movie stars are at 70, there might be one. You know, and they've had the right plastic surgeon at the right time. But if they hadn't had plastic surgery, if they didn't have the makeup for two hours, they would just be ugly like all other 70-year-olds. What a horrible idol to have. Horrible idol. That your self-image is how you look. That's not God's way. That's a miserable trick to put on people. Miserable. Horrible idol to have. And the third one was children. Children are idols. Children. Think about that. I want to do all I can for my children. I want to provide for my children. I want to be sure my children have far more than I ever have. I want to prepare the way for my children. I want to be sure they never get bad grades in school. I'm not going to discipline my children. I'm going to let them discover their own way. We're going to make sure that they get to do all the great things that everybody else is doing and have all the wonderful experience because my secret to life is that my children are better than anybody else's children. And boy, is there an explosion one day. Because if you don't know it yet, not everybody's children turn out okay. Not everybody's children live to not disappoint their mom and dad. And if your kids are an idol, you're making mistakes now, and boy, you're really going to be regretting those mistakes one day. God's word is clear. We are to have no idols. And if those three idols was what? People say this is the three idols you need to be concerned with, money, appearance, and children. We ought to pay attention. We ought to not take it lightly. You see, that's why Elijah came. That's why the prophet came. Because idolatry had gotten to the point, God had been patient, but idolatry had gotten that Hael rebuilt Jericho, and whatever that means to God, whatever that situation is like, God said, that's enough. I've had enough. I've been patient. I've been waiting for them to get right. I've been waiting to honor me again, to love me with all the heart. But that Hael rebuilding Jericho thing, that's enough. Elijah, come on in, and we'll study what happens. Help us, Lord, to be open to your word. Help us, Lord, to recognize the importance of obeying your word, being faithful to you only. God, help us to, today. May your spirit convict us of our idolatry, convict us of our evil ways, convict us of our sins. May we confess with all of our heart, Lord. May we agree with you about our sin, and may we repent, Lord. May we just come to you and just receive your forgiveness and an about face and just smash those idols and walk free of them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.